0: The Pilot to Pilot Podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. They have an amazing ground school app for the knowledge you need to fly. To learn more, visit learnthefinerpoints.com. Aviation Nation, what is going on and welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot Podcast. Today's episode is a day in the life of an aerial survey pilot. Now it has been, let's say, what, like five years, six, maybe? Wow, it's been nine years since I was an aerial survey pilot. That's crazy. Uh, Time flies by. Uh, I, I said this at Ohio State when I was giving a, a presentation to the aviation community, and it, you think that it takes forever to get to where you want to go, but it really goes by so fast. It's, it, it's insane. Before you know it, you're going to be at United, you're going to be at, at NetJets, you're going to be at Delta, American, wherever you want to go, you're going to be there. Uh, it's crazy, and you're looking back at those times... Uh, like my aerial survey days and you're gonna be like, dang, that was actually fun, I really enjoyed it. I wish I didn't just constantly look to the next step or constantly look for what's next and really focus on what I'm doing right now and enjoy it. Because truth be told, you're never gonna be able to fly those planes probably again. Uh, as you continue in this career path, most people forget about small airplanes and general aviation. It becomes expensive again, it becomes not as fun. Uh, and you see maybe some of the dangers again now that you don't have these special safety protocols that you have in place at most airlines. Or most fractionals or corporate places. So enjoy it while you're there. Embrace the suck and enjoy it. They can be long days, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So uh, I want to go and get started with this episode. So without any further ado, here is the aerial survey day in the life. All right. So I flew aerial survey for nine months. Uh, It was, looking back on it, very interesting time of my life. It was my first aviation job. So I really had no idea what to expect. I was excited. I remember I'm pretty sure I cried when I got my first job because I solidified the fact that I'm going to be paid to fly and I couldn't wait to actually make some money. Which is really funny because the first day that I showed up at the job, I was told to go sweep the floor with what seemed like millions of dead flies uh josh if you're listening to this he can confirm it he was my chief pilot i don't know his role there right now but it was insane there's so many flies and all i did for probably about four hours was sweep the floor I uh, i don't know if they were testing me or what but they're like hey new guy grab that mop you're sweeping i was like all right cool i'm just happy to be airplanes um the, the very next day i went on my first flight uh, and this is where i learned not to trust anyone a hundred percent, like you always have to have a little bit of doubt, and you always have to make sure you do everything yourself uh but this is where i really learned it. I probably had about three hundred hours. I just assumed that the guy that was flying knew exactly what he was doing. uh he actually flew into icing uh he said it wasn't I was not flying, I was on a training flight, and I was just kind of along for the ride. It's kind of like a shadow flight that I was doing, uh and he flew into some icing and when he uh, it was not a fun time, and it was something that I I forgot until my buddy Travis, who I met up with, reminded me of that, that that happened, and it was not fun. So that is uh, one of the awakenings that I had at that company was to to not trust anyone. <laughs> and I know it might sound bad, but it's always a good thing to have in your mind. It doesn't matter if you're flying with uh, the most experienced pilot in the world. Everyone has bad days. Some people's bad days are worse than others, but it's always good to do your own due diligence for every single flight. Even if your dad's flying, your dad is a 100 and whatever hours more than you in a plane or thousands of hours more it's always good to to check the weather to check the notums to check everything on your own and that can be something that you can become really complacent by at certain times so that was an awakening for me and still to this day i remember that event and i remember (laughs) when i'm flying with the captain uh it's like hey man no disrespect but i'm gonna read all the notums too Uh, i'm gonna make sure i do my job every single day because you might have a bad day, or we might just miss something, and two eyes or four eyes are always better than one. But anyways, that's kind of uh, the intro of how that happened. Uh, I worked for Midwest Aerial Photography. Uh, I was in the process of training for my CFI, and luckily I got the call that I could go get this job, and I was pumped, beyond pumped. Like I said, I think I started crying, uh, which I don't cry very often, but I was just so excited, and it was such a big moment for Christina and myself. We went to... No, I went to Columbus. So Christina and I lived apart for nine months. I was able to go back and forth and we did see each other, but it wasn't ideal. Uh, But like I said, the first day, all I did was mop a floor of flies. The next day I went to go fly and I was like a training flight. It was kind of like a shadow flight, like I said. And then we kind of got into it. I started in the 206. We flew film mostly in the 206. So it was like straight up a massive, heavy film camera with a huge hole cut in the bottom of the airplane and we would go fly. Whatever jobs are paying a lot of them were West Virginia coal companies, apparently, based on the sun angle, which, as you will learn in aerial survey, this whole career and that whole industry is run on sun angle, so you need a you need a certain sun angle in the morning and all the way to the evening, and that's your window to go shoot Now, with film, you can't have any clouds whatsoever, so we would go fly in pretty much the most perfect conditions, except a lot of times it was really bumpy and could be really windy. But as soon as the clouds started rolling in, it was game over. And there's not much else you could do. But uh, yeah, like I said, these coal companies could use the angle of the sun and they could use crazy programs to tell how much coal they actually had based on those pictures, which is really cool. We also took a lot of pictures for government. Uh, we would, uh, I think they have a program in every single state where they want to get every square mile photographer or photograph. There you go. I say right? Photographed. Uh, that was very interesting. It was a 3,000 to 4,000 feet. We had government contracts in Texas. Uh, when I was there, they had other states before too, but we're down in Texas and I mean, every square mile. So that includes the approach corridor at 3000 feet and the DFW, we have letters from Congress, but controllers were not having it. And it was an interesting, interesting mess to say the least. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. You work hard flying the line to build financial security for your family and yourself. However, to prepare properly for retirement, you need more than hard work. Having a co-pilot to help guide your route can be the difference between struggling through retirement and living comfortably after your final landing. Not sure where to start? RAA can help. Learn more about RAA's commitment to the aviation community and what it's like meeting with one of their specialized advisors. Founded by Pilots for Pilots and with four decades of financial planning and investment management experience, RAA is intimately familiar with unique benefits, risks, and career timelines that pilots face. Whether you're early in your career as a pilot or you spent years flying the line, RAA is here to help you navigate your financial journey from takeoff to touchdown. For more pilot specific planning tips, go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot. With high resolution coast to coast composite radar and cloud to cloud, cloud to ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes, along with always available weather products like METARs, Echo Tops, and Storm Tracks, Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash series XM to get a two-month free trial to try these products out for yourself. And now back to today's episode. But we also did pipeline patrol. So in the 310 and the Aztec and other airplanes that go a little higher, uh, we had some jobs that are at 21,000 feet and unpressurized 310. And we'd be flying around with oxygen around for four hours. So uh, there is a lot to uh, to learn, a lot of Kind of a cool industry, to be honest with you. It's uh, very interesting. Uh, not one that you want to make a career out of. No offense if anyone has. But for me personally, I knew that I wanted to get in and kind of get out as, as soon as I could and continue to progress my time. But let's go with a, a, a standard day. So this is one of my favorite uh, trips that I had. My buddy, John Bachmeyer, who uh, is now at Delta, we flew together and we were doing pipeline patrol out in New Mexico. We based ourselves out of Albuquerque. So that night, what you do is you go to a certain program that the company used. I think it was just like a government or a NOAA program and you check the sun angle and you would have to be up at the time that the sun angle hits. So some days that is really early uh, and other times of the year that can be a little bit later you need to sleep in a little bit more. But you need to be up there right at that time. That's like your early or late time. Plus or minus five minutes is not okay. You need to be there right when that sun angle gets up, which can be kind of tricky, especially when you need to climb to 21,000 feet in a pretty heavy 310 with a uh, big camera in there. So we based ourselves out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we went to go shoot this pipeline, oil pipeline in uh, the four corners. So if you have any idea of how far away that is, uh, I, I don't remember, but it was, a, it was like a 45-minute flight to get up there and to get up to altitude um side note super disappointed in Albuquerque I thought it was gonna be a really really cool alien town and just a crazy cool place but it was a major retired community that smelled like manure and has the worst ufo (laughs) museum I've ever been to in my life I think I've talked about it before but anyways I digress so uh, we make sure we get all that. We we check that the night before. We text each other about, like, hey, we got this crew car. We're going to go and make sure we go take off at this time to get up to the sun angle for this time. Uh, we get all that figured out. We do our flight planning. Um, we make sure that we have a good plan. Uh, this one, he, I was training him how to fly the 310, and I was running the camera. So we're sitting side by side in the 310, and I had this really big, fancy computer, um, kind of this computer screen that controlled the digital camera in the back, And then he has, it's kind of like the size of a Garmin 530, but it's completely separate. And it sits up on the dash of the airplane Velcro down or secured down. I don't really remember how they did it. And he would then, I would program that screen so he would know the line to fly. Now, when you're flying aerial survey lines, you cannot... By all means, you have to have be wings level at all times. You do not want to bank at all. So if you need to kind of make minor adjustments, you're really relying on your rudder and relying on your coordination. So you got to figure out a way to, to not bank the airplane within what you want to do, especially in bumpy situations. It can be a little bit difficult. Uh, the camera's had a gyro in it, so bumps it could be relatively bumpy. You can still get a clean shot with that gyro but you really relied on rudder and it was kind of a little bit backwards at first and you could kind of get lost a little bit focusing on that line but you go up there we would shoot until we had to come down and land so that was up times that was four hours at 21,000 feet just hanging out with John Bachmeier here uh, which everyone knows John Bachmeier it's a fun time he's a good dude but uh it was cool because this is one of my favorite trips because Uh, It was in a period where there was very short sun angle, and it would take us so much longer to go back up that we'd only have one flight a day, and we'd go land in Durango, Colorado. We would touch down in Durango, Colorado. We'd go get lunch, and we'd go hang out. We'd watch college football. And we'd uh, go have fun and then fly back the next day. And then we'd go eat dinner and we'd go do it all again for probably about two weeks, I think. There's times in this job where we were on the road for for 21 days. I believe maybe four weeks was the max I ever did. And then I had who knows how much time off until they just called me to go back again. Uh, there are other times where the day was a drag. This was uh in Texas and there's a lot of sun angle down in Texas. We were uh, shooting bright and early and shooting right to the sun was getting ready to go past that sun angle and it was probably a good eight hours of flying every day uh, in the summertime in Texas in the heat at 4,000 feet in no air conditioned airplanes. You can imagine it was, uh, it was pretty rough and it's hard on the, the person in the back too. So whoever's running the camera, your head is down all the time, getting bumped around. It's really hot. It's very easy to get motion sickness back there. So uh, especially if you have a wild pilot up front, that's not very good at maintaining straight and level. It was, when I look back on it, I had a ton of, a ton of good times. Uh, one really cool thing is it taught me the road experience. It taught me how to really be a pilot on the road. And it kind of helped me out of my corporate life because my whole life I knew what to do. I knew how to get the car. I knew how to order the fuel. I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to be as efficient as possible on the road to make sure I could minimize my time off or maximize my time off uh so that was something that i learned and it just progressed throughout my career so i went hero survey to freight and now in the fractional world it's like i've always stayed on that ga ramp i've always had the same lingo and had the same experiences that i learned from an early moment flying the 310 flying uh an aero commander flying a a 206 so it was um a very valuable information and i learned a lot about flight planning like there's no more just 60 nautical mile cross countries it was flying from Columbus, Ohio, out to New Mexico, uh, having different stops along the way. Like it was like a real life, like passenger, uh, get it done, not really passenger, but um, get it done mentality. And it was all up on us. And we just had our chief pilot, who was monitoring at times, making sure we're up at the right sun angle. Uh, and we could choose wherever we wanted to land, as long as it had the cheapest fuel, uh, cheap hotels. So there's definitely yeah, <laughs> a cheapness to the lifestyle of it, but we could use the company card for food. Uh and we made sure that it was a good time. I know it it was a necessary evil in my path. Uh I did have an engine failure. I did have another failure with a vacuum pump on a 310 where the maintenance they applied the vacuum pump on wrong and oil started shooting out of the airplane when I was on base to final. So that was fun. Uh luckily I landed in time before anything kind of went wrong and it happened at the perfect time. Uh but I would go back and do it again. Like I've said in many podcasts, CFI life is not for me. And I really did did believe that. Now, it's not for you to take this and say, hey, Justin said CFI life's not for me or not for him, so it's not for me either. Uh, by all means, give it a shot. CFIing is amazing. I've said this multiple times. My buddy Jordan, who is also at Delta as well, was a CFI. And we have kind of followed the same path. We had the same amount of hours at the same amount of times. And we got to where we wanted to get. So it was a... uh at the end of the day, it didn't matter which route you went. You're going to get your hours. So uh, work as hard as you can. If you're in an aerial survey, if you kind of liked a little bit of an insight into that, you want me to go a little bit deeper, let me know. I know this is a shorter podcast. Interviews will come back. I promise. Uh, life is absolutely insane for Christina and myself right now. So <laughs> we are uh, looking for house in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, time with baby Emmett is is precious. And time to schedule interviews is few and far back. Few and far between so uh we are making the best of it interviews will come back if you want to be interviewed if you know someone to be interviewed uh i might need some help scheduling some people so shoot them my way or just go ahead and tell them that this time to, to log on a skype and i'll be there <laughs> but aviation i hope you enjoyed today's podcast if you did please leave us a review. check out pilots coffee we're gonna get more steep packs in soon we're working on a new design to make everything look the same so it might still be about a month until they come out maybe more And we have some logistical issues with shipping and figuring out when we're moving and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of a nightmare now, but we're making the best of it. Like I said, Uh, I hope you have a great day. And as always, happy flying.